This time, on episode 445 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Disney+, Plus, episode 7, The Retreat, and weekly Marvel news, including a D23 news wrap-up, Marvel's Blade losing its director, and Deadpool 3 planning to bring back a fan favorite. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your special debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. I'm Special Counsel Anthony. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Saturday, October 1st, 2022. My, how the year has gone by. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast, I guess, Court TV wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, We love talking about Marvel. Because, girl, I got a bottle of tequila waiting for you. If you'd like to talk to us about tequila, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you just want to torture us with the sounds of you drinking tequila and not sharing, you can give us a call at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you need tips about bossing up and changing your life, you can go to Twitter at Legends of Shield. If you want to see our happy faces talking about tequila, girl boss, I don't know, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash gonna geek. If you want to talk to us about your favorite snacks to have while you drink all that tequila, head on over to the Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. And Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is proud to welcome back our special counsel, Anthony, for the episode. Anthony, thank you very much for joining us. It's good, as always, to be back, although from a legal perspective, there's very little for me to discuss in this episode. I mean, there's the whole parole thing. I mean, we might get into that. We'll see. Okay. Anyway, we are going to run down She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 7. There's a lot of news for us to catch up on for the past three weeks, so stay tuned to that. And I'm ready to get going. You guys get ready to get going? Woo! Yep. All right, here we go. I've been waiting for this one. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 7, premiered on Disney Plus Thursday, September 29th, 2022. The episode was titled The Retreat. The IMDB description reads, Jen visits Blonsky's wellness retreat, meets new friends, and gets in touch with her inter-She-Hulk, her inner She-Hulk, not inter. And Lauren, who directed the episode? This episode was directed by Anu Valia who has 25 directing credits starting in 2011, including three of Above Average Presents, two of Mixed-ish, two of Robbie, one of Love, Victor, three of Never Have I Ever, two of And Just Like That, and three episodes of She-Hulk. And Michelle, who's the writer of the episode? This episode was written by Zeb Wells, has 15 writing credits starting in 2008, including four Titan Maximum, 65 Robot Chicken, Five Supermansion, one She-Hawk, and Zeb has written comics such as Spider-Man, New Mutants, New Warriors, Carnage, and Venom, and other things. All right, comic book writer flipping the script to become an episode writer on Disney+. Plus. I like it. By the way, Jessica Gao is still the She-Hulk showrunner. Something we do on this show is to run down an exclusive Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Episode synopsis 
so that we don't get mired in talking about what happened when, and then, and then, and then. And this wonderful synopsis was put together by Michelle, but I am going to start it off. So here we go. Jen dating Dosh Montage. After having sex with Josh, Jen obsessively checks her phone because he hasn't contacted her. On Sunday, Jen gets a call from Blonsky's parole officer. He wants her to protect him as he fixes Blonsky's inhibitor. Blonsky's retreat is called Summer Twilights. Blonsky claims the inhibitor malfunctioned because he took care of his chickens and touched the electric fence. Manbull and El Aguila's fight wrecks Jen's car so she can't leave for a while and has to spend time at the retreat, which has, unfortunately for her, no cell signal. Jen's search for a cell signal leads her to Blonsky's group therapy. In addition to Manbull and El Aguila, whose name is Alejandro, there's Porcupine, Saracen, the possible vampire, and Wrecker, one of the guys who attacked Jen. After throwing Wrecker into the perfectly stacked chairs, She-Hulk has to go and sit in the calming chair. The group convinces Jen that Josh has ghosted her, so she needs to delete his number. She's hurt, because Josh liked Jen for Jen. The session starts with She-Hulk, and she trusts the group to see her as Jen. This inspired Porcupine to take off his mask. Little bit of regret there. And after a yurt session, the tow truck arrives. The tow truck drives away. We flash back to three days ago. The creative team decides to paint by the numbers and make Josh a bad guy. He clones Jen's phone, takes a picture of her while she is naked and sleeping, and messages Hulk King that he has her blood. All right. Thank you very much for putting it together. Michelle, let's talk about overall thoughts for the episode. Anthony, you're our guest. Why don't you start first? This was an okay episode. I'm glad we're back to the plot, or at least what constitutes the third, fourth story point in this series. I'm not really sure. There's a whole lot going on, and it doesn't seem like they're really eager to reach resolutions anytime soon. I feel as though this was another beach episode. You know, there's a lot of story to tell. They should be telling it. Oh, I mean, just seeing the retreat. I want to go to there. So I loved the villain retreat and I loved Jen finding peace with herself. But beyond that, I'm kind of ambivalent about this episode. Guys, I need you to excuse me for about 20 minutes. I need to go just yurt it out. SP's hurting for a yurting. All right. That's how we think about the episode. Okay, the retreat. Yeah. Mm hmm. I think there's some setup here that we might have not have considered yet, but overall, meh. This ambivalence, we're all like, why did we watch this? There's so much more to this story. I'm like, eh, kind of already been through the just Jen conversation, right? So why did we have to do it again? Yeah. Anything more to say about that? I think we could have tacked this on to the wedding episode. There were moments from the wedding episode that could have been edited out. There were moments of this episode that could have been edited out. You stick them together. She meets Josh. There's something else. And then there's the montage. And then there's this. It could have been episode six. And we could have three more episodes because we need a lot of stuff to who's Hulk King. We got to find. Then there's the blood. And where's that devil? And where's the super suit? Yeah. In the end, we know that Jen's blood has been taken, or we didn't actually see it, but I mean, there seemed to be confirmation that her blood was taken, so. Yeah, Josh says it was taken, but we don't, you're right, we don't really see it. So, while I will mostly admit defeat and admit how stupid it was that I was kind of trying to say last episode that Josh might not be the bad guy, I'm like 98% sure now that he is a bad guy. Yeah, when that happened, I was like, oh, Michelle's going to be pissed. It was just, can we do something different? And not only is he a bad guy, he is, this is borderline sexual assault because she is naked, taking pictures of naked women while they're sleeping, can classify as revenge porn. He's taking fluids from her. Not only is he a bad guy, this is just it. And 
I know this is trying to deal with so many girl power feminist issues. Women can be strong and smart and beautiful and blah, blah, blah. We can be all these things, but we've had, I don't know, four episodes of it. I want She-Hulk and Jen to be in plot for story to move on. I think the big thing for me with this is, okay, I really liked the villain retreat. I liked all the fake outs of, oh my God, this is how they're going to get Jen's blood. But again, the whole plot of this episode revolves around a guy. It revolves around Jen obsessing over Josh. And I think that if she had been like, on the phone for work or something like that. Just something that actually kind of ties into the plot a little more. I think I might have liked it a little better. Also, it is kind of noticeable that I think this is the first episode written by a guy. I could be wrong. Might be right about that. I uh, did not check into that, but I think you're right. Yeah, there's that whole, you know, the whole ten... We all know about the Bechdel test. And for those who don't, it's it's not a whole it's not an actual like, oh, a movie needs to or show needs to revolve around this to be correct. It's a thought experiment. Find, you know, name a movie where there are two named women talking to each other about a topic that is not a guy. And it's like the lowest bar. And it's still so hard to find. I mean, it's less hard now. Because you're finding people who grew up frustrated by that are the ones who are doing a lot of writing now. But again, it's just Josh, 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 Josh in this episode. Like, I really wish that Jen's revelation hadn't revolved around a guy not calling her back. Yeah, and this episode doesn't even pass the test. This could have been a really interesting episode. To introduce Lizzo, that's where the bottle of tequila thing comes in. It would have been interesting if Titania was there. Behold, they could have been fighting and then end up in therapy sort of deal. There are so many different ways that a lot of this could have been handled. Because there's also the idea of women competing against each other that could have been explored instead of the guy, the boyfriend needing to be validated by a guy because women are socially conditioned to be competitive with each other. One of the things that we have to learn, we have to unlearn that and we need to learn how to lift each other up and to actually appreciate when my friend who is a girl, you know, female presenting, who's like, I'm a woman. All right. And you've done all these wonderful things, not being jealous of it, lifting her up while, you know, not being it's just there's so many different things that they could have done besides a boy didn't call me. And also three days, Jen, it's a week. You can't even go into the ghosting tech thing until like a week because I mean, and with a friend like Nikki, she doesn't know the four stages of L.A. dating. I mean, come on. just. this episode all right i have a theory here that i'm going to float by you guys and i'm going to ask you if the theory would have been worth it if it is true so the theory is Blonsky's inhibitor is not working he claims it is because of a chicken electric fence i don't think that's it our swashbuckler has proven that he can discharge bioelectronic energy from his sword. What if he's training a team to go out and protect Jen in case she needs it because he wants to protect the, you know, the Hulk family as part of his reparations. What if this group of guys, because we also know that the show does not throw away one use characters into a team that is ultimately going to protect Jen. A, would that have been worth it, this whole episode? And B, is that even a thing that's going to happen? I like the idea of him kind of having his reformed, you know, supervillain team, although I never really that super 
right now. But to protect Jen, I don't know. Jen's a Hulk. She can, like, the whole thing is that she can protect herself. This episode was about her finding happiness in being Jen and She-Hulk and that finding that Jen is every bit as good as She-Hulk. I think it would be incredibly invalidating if, like, here's a bodyguard team for you. Yeah. This discussion is actually touching on three different points that I had in my synopsis or in, in my show notes. So, first off, aside from the record, everyone in the group has either a stabbing implement or sharp points on them or something because you've got porcupine, you have the vampire naturally sucks blood. You have man bull and you have El Aguila with the sword. So you've got four dudes, all of whom can theoretically stab or prick Jen. I thought they were going to gang up on her to try and get blood from her. So that was my first thought. Also related to something that Michelle was talking about and, and also Lauren with respect to the Bechdel test, there's not a single female in the group. It's all dudes. And they are talking to her about how to get over guys. And I just found that kind of wrong. Where did all these powered individuals come from? Powered whatever, to the extent that, you know, these are basically D-listers, but are they all registered with the Sokovia Accords? Because prior to this in the MCU, we established superheroes are very uncommon. And then it's, oh yeah, here's all these, these guys. They have suits, they have powers, this and that. What? What? So th- that kind of threw me. And last. We just spent several episodes addressing Jen as a character. Literally, the previous episode before this called Just Jen. It was all about Jen coming to terms with being Jen and accepting who she is as a whole. And then you completely undermine this to turn her into this simpering, soft character just for the the trope. I understand to a small extent, why they did it, but it really, really bothered me. And I was watching this whole episode going, this isn't Jen, at least not the, the Jen that I know from the comics, because the Jen from the comics is very secure in both her Jen presentation and her She-Hulk presentation. She's a little mousier as Jen, admittedly, but she still knows who she is and she still knows what she brings to the table. And this whole thing just as a fan of the character really really rubbed me the wrong way this whole thing watches like they didn't really tell zeb what was going on in the previous episodes kind of like when you have a guest writer on a comic whether they're just filling in on an issue or it's a crossover and so all of a sudden you have to write the characters that you're not normally writing and you just don't necessarily know what's going on in the story before that like Anthony's right here, one hundred percent. Like we don't need in an episode or a series as short as this. We don't need a second episode in a row, especially of let me accept this part of myself this super blatantly. If it had been part of the story, but not the main part of the story of this episode, that's one thing. But this is again, I need to accept myself as Jen. We already got that. You mean, Chris, you're talking about like when Claremont writes the X-Men and forgets whatever else is happening and just immediately goes back to writing them exactly the way that he writes them? Because that man has a very clear idea of who these characters are. He could take a break for 20 years and he'll still write them exactly the way that he did 20 years ago. Oh, that's because nothing else ever happened in his mind. Yeah. He was on a panel a couple of weeks ago at some convention and... It's like, yeah, Chris Claremont wrote some of the like best X-Men arcs ever back in, you know, like the 80s. And then he has never moved on. Oh, I interviewed him at New York Comic Con several years ago for my show. He is very steadfast in his beliefs on who these characters are. And crotchety springs to mind, but yeah. Yeah. Also... Okay, unrelated, well, sort of related, obviously, because it's in the episode. Dating rules are so dumb. I just, I've never gotten them. I think 
it's just another way to make people feel insecure. It's, ugh, I hate it. It's the wedded industrial complex. I've been to LA several times, but I've never actually lived there. What are the four stages of LA dating? Because I don't know them. Okay, well, stage one is pretty universal, which is I hope this guy doesn't assault me and murder me and leave me in the middle of the Mojave Desert for my body to rot for all eternity. So that's pretty much a universal stage one. Stage two is the, is this person going to ghost me or not? Then it moves on to, is this person going to bench me or not? And that means that this person, you go out with them and then for a while you don't. And then is this a ghosting? But then they contact you again. But what you don't realize is that they've been playing the field. And it's basically one of those bring me in coach situations. That's benching. And then you get into the whole sort of not getting, okay, so I'm not dead yet. I've not been ghosted. I'm not benched. Is this possibly real-ish? That's basically like the four stages. Okay. I'm so glad that I'm not actively dating. It's rough out there. Yeah. I'm the single person of this group. It's rough out there. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm well past that. And I met my wife online, (laughs) but I'm glad I'm out. So I want to go back to my theory a little bit because I don't think we fleshed that out. You guys said Jen can take care of herself. Yes, I agree. Jen can take care of herself. But if what has happened is true and her blood has been taken and it is being used to clone or get some super soldiers out there or something like that, she's going to need a team behind her. It's not just going to be her. So I could see this episode setting that up for the last two episodes. And I don't know which side Titania is going to end up on, but she's going to end up on one of the sides. I still kind of wish that, like, who was it earlier that mentioned that they wish that Titania was here at the, the place? Yeah, I, again, there's that whole women being pitted against each other thing. This is just like a reality of the way we're socialized. It's especially once you get into puberty. There's the whole other girls are trying to take things from you, whether it's boys or other girls are better looking than you. Other girls are skinnier than you. That whole thing. And I think it would be great for them to have had a thing where they kind of unlearn, I guess, toxic femininity. And if we could have She-Hulk and Titania, not necessarily being friends, but teaming up there at the end alongside maybe like yeah porcupine man bull see saracen actually like sucking someone's blood that would be kind of fun ew not in this show but that goes that has the whole we need to have a bunch of guys to come in and protect her i was wanting it to be her dad with the shovel and ched going i'll cause a distraction by being a dj that would have been also a perfect plan We don't need these guys. This is the first episode, by the way, in the entire series that does not have one of Jen's family in it. Now, the mom is referenced, but there's no family members appearing in this episode. Which kind of goes back to Anthony's thing of this feels like it was written by a comic book guest writer. And what happened to Blonsky's seven fiancés? He left them at the end of uh, in the the courtroom drawing sketches at the end of that last episode. Well, we we don't know that he left them. He was being transported away, and they were all crying. We don't know the extent of that. It was kind of telling that they weren't around. But to the point of of the men protecting, I don't know that it would necessarily be a situation where the men would protect Jen. They may fight to help her. They may say, "Hey, we'll take out." you know, some of these other guys while you fight the big bad, whomever that may be at this point, because we're seven episodes in and we still have no friggin' clue, but it may just be a situation where they're sidekicks to her, that they're a support team, but I don't know that they will necessarily fight for her. They will fight for her, but they won't fight for her. Right. If you, if you get what I'm saying. 
That's kind of what I meant, but I, it was coming out wrong. So thanks for correcting me. Also, who is Hulk King? I have no idea who Hulk King is. I still think, I still think it's the leader. No, I mean, is there a comic book character called Hulking? Is there some comic background? What is this character? There's Hulkling, but that's a whole that's other completely thing. different. He's not a Hulk. So this was kind of made up for the series. Yeah, that could just be the screen name. Yeah, I assumed it was just the screen name. I mean, I use Sithwitch everywhere, and that's not my real name. It is. Sorry to I tell thought, you. I thought it was legally changed. I mean, mm. okay. Yeah, I'm not finding anything online about Hulk King besides questioning who is the Hulk King. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not alone. Chris, previously on. Best yet? I'd like to think that I am the previously on expert of this show because at least one of us has to think that I am. And I know that everybody thinks that they are. But I think this might be the best fourth wall break of this series because jen is specifically saying hey what the heck this guy really come on they talked about him in the previously on right okay uh, let's make sure we're gonna do it again hey hey guy in the sky do it that was really fun yeah that was a fun part of the whole episode i mean her poor car though i mean that thing that little prius she's lost two cars in the span of this series prius prime it's prime they paid a lot of money for that product placement better get it right the other one was a i believe a toyota as well i think i figured out i don't remember what it was but you know i spent a lot of time into it and it turned out to be inconsequential but i believe toyota has a product placement here as does probably jeep but anyway yeah her car getting toasted like that i don't know if we're gonna see her car again I think it's fixable. I've been through stuff like that before. It depends on the value of the car versus the value of the repair. Nowadays, just about everything is repairable as long as it's not quote unquote totaled, like the frame is actually bent. And I don't think the frame would have been bent by the impacts that it received, but I don't know. Anyway, that poor Did it car. look undrivable to you? Yes, it's a hybrid. Of course it's undrivable. <laughs> okay. That's what I was asking about, because I don't have any kind of hybrid experience at all. I, I have a hybrid. Do you have electric engines that are in the front wheels? I don't know. It's, it's a Hyundai. <laughs> I bought it because it's, it's got 51 you know, miles per gallon, That's, and I have a long commute. Yeah, odds are if it has electric motors in the front wheels, if you take any sort of front end damage whatsoever, that car has got to be repaired and the the transmissions need to be aligned and stuff like that. Not to mention you need to make sure that the battery doesn't explode. So there's that. Some battery testing and some electronic connectivity testing needs to be done. Okay, weirdly enough, this touches on what I really, really liked about this episode, which was the villain retreat. And just the kind of mundanity of just people in therapy. How would in okay, do you think insurance policies would change regarding superhero stuff quickly or slowly? Because I imagine that they would have to add all sorts of clauses of this was done by a powered individual. You have more liability or less liability depending on what your powers are, that sort of thing. Well, the insurance companies would move lightning fast because there's money involved. Legally, it would move glacially slow because there's lawyers involved. So, see, this is your lawyer tie in for the episode. If Congress, because of all of the damage, was able to quickly get through some of that stuff, kind of like what we saw in the last couple of years with extra medical benefits and stuff like that, I think it is possible to reform a portion of the medical insurance industry to do that. I mean, Congress can move quickly if they want to. I mean, goodness knows they passed laws regarding extra protection just to make sure that Supreme Court justices didn't get their feelings hurt while they're eating dinner. So they can move fast if they're properly motivated. I just don't know that this would necessarily properly motivate them because I'm sure that there's a giant lobby out there somewhere in the MCU trying to prevent people from getting access to benefits, care, things of that nature. Yeah, you've had New York demolished. You've had 
uh, celestial pop up in the middle of the is it Indian Ocean or Pacific Ocean? I don't know, somewhere out there, right? I don't know because they never talk about it. Yeah, there's just this like dead baby god just sticking out of Earth now, and nobody mentions it. Did they like send in a mining crew to clean that up? Is this can we get Armageddon, but for the MCU regarding taking that thing out? Like, what's going on? In fairness, this series did touch upon it. We actually talked about it earlier. It was part of one of the news stories, right, on the screen. So at least it's mentioned, but there's yeah, but no... Yeah, that, that was a gag. Yeah, it, it's not like at the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming, where you have damage control coming in and everything, and you actually have a story there. There's no story about that here. Yeah. No marine salvage. It's that sort of mundane, like, okay, well, how is this going to affect everyday stuff? That's what I've been really loving about this series. I did enjoy the intro sequences and montage of her getting ready for the dates, the camera work that was done with her in different rooms simultaneously. I did enjoy that. That was, I believe, well done. I mean, we like montages on this podcast anyway. Generally, they're training montages, but I did like that montage of her getting ready. It was before anything kind of bad happened in the episode, so it was easy to get into. Also, I was watching She-Hulk in specifically the lodge where she was getting training. And is it just me or did the CGI look a little bit better or are we all just ignoring that now? Oh, I thought the CGI, maybe not necessarily, I wasn't focusing on it on She-Hulk in therapy, but it was painfully obvious when she was walking around the retreat with Blonsky that it was green screen or volume or something, but they were not present on a real set. And it was just so obvious. The lighting, that's ultimately what it came down to. The lighting was bad and it just, it screamed that they were not on a real set. And that, that just really stuck out to me. I guess that's what got me in the lodge is that I was looking at her and the lighting and it seemed like that was at least that one scene or group of scenes. It looked like the lighting was done better in the lodge. Maybe that's what I was keying in on. I just keep having a problem with whenever it goes into her talking. It's like the eye line is never quite right. It just it bugs me. All right. One thing real quick uh, that I noticed going back to the, the car thing, is the tow truck company is called Slots Towing, which is a nice little reference to Dan Slot, who had one of the seminal runs on the character as a writer and introduced many of the characters and concepts that we're seeing in the series. I just thought that he should have been the driver. You know, get him in there as a cameo. Have him be the driver of the tow truck. I thought that would have just been nice. It was a little gag thing. They brought in J. Michael Straczynski in Thor. They got Brubaker in Winter Soldier. Like you can get some of these writers in here. And frankly, sad to say, he would probably made more money for the acting appearance than he makes for royalties writing the comics. But I digress. Well, he didn't have a speaking part, right? So I don't know if you're just on screen without a speaking part, if that's more money or not. Fair. But still, just why not? Just get him there. It's a day of shooting. So David Sardi was the tow truck driver. I just looked it up just to make sure, because that's what I was thinking, too. Who was the tow truck driver? Was this a cameo? I don't think it was. No, he's, he's, he's just an actor. Yeah. He was in Avengers Infinity War, though, and Hancock. Huh. It should have been Dan Slott. Agreed. Okay. Anything else, guys? All right. We'll do final thoughts. Anybody want to go first? I know Chris does. Just the entire feelings of this one about people ghosting you and thinking all these societal rules about why haven't they contacted me? Can I contact them again? Am I going to look like a needy person, clingy person? It just hits close to home in a lot of ways that I'm not ready to get into right now. But somebody really needs to get Jenna smartwatch so she can look at that instead of her phone. The episode just kind of felt off to me. Like I said, there was so much stuff in it that I actually really liked and I enjoyed it while I was watching it. But when it came time for me to write notes for this, I was like, okay, so what did I actually like? What actually sank in? Agreed with Chris that that whole wondering if you're being too needy and stuff by texting. 
Yeah, it, it's a thing that people grapple with. I know that I, I don't know. Everybody just don't worry about what the societal rules say to do in terms of, oh, don't want to look desperate or anything like that. Talk to people when you want to talk to them. If somebody says, hey, could you do this less or hey, could you please stop texting me? Like, go along with that. Be considerate. Just be yourself. I mean, like the episode tries to say. In my experience, when you're actually just acting like yourself instead of putting on the front that you want people to, because at some point you're going to have to drop that and it's exhausting. So just if you're just yourself from up front, then it's it's way less work down the line. To piggyback on that, and I'm absolutely all for open and honest communication. If the wrecker really wanted to be open and honest communication, why didn't he tell Jen, hey, by the way, here's the guy who tried to hire me and my buddies to beat you up. I mean, that would have been a perfect opportunity if he were sincere about coming clean to say, and while we're all sharing in the circle, here's the identity of the Hulk King and the people who tried to pay me to take your blood. Just a thought. Yeah, all that. I just want to forget this episode happened. I want it stricken from the record, removed as evidence of season one of She-Hulk, whatever needs to be done. I think if I ever watch this again, it's just going to be skipped episode seven. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if these guys come back again, it might be redeemed, but I don't think so. And oh, by the way, there was no mid or post credit scene here either for the second episode in a row. I think it's a missed opportunity for this series because I bet maybe there should have been a seed with the seven fiancés and what they were actually doing or something. I don't know, but I believe it was a missed opportunity. So next time we get together, we're going to be talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, season one, episode eight. As kind of a surprise for these guys, I don't know if I'll be able to go at 10 on Saturday. We'll have to discuss that after we get off the podcast, but we will be covering She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 8, which is the penultimate episode in the series, because we've been told there's only nine episodes in the series. In the meantime, we have some very important news, Marvel Studio related, to get to, much delayed too, and we appreciate your patience with us on that. Well, all right, D23. Disney's movie and television studios revealed plenty of news at the D23 Expo, which ran September 9th through 11th at the Disneyland-adjacent Anaheim Convention Center. Highlights included panels loaded with cast and creatives behind almost every big Disney property. We go into films, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Medium, the crowd saw new footage from the threequel starring Paul Rudd, Catherine Newton, Evangeline Lilly, and Jonathan Majors. It opens February 17th, 2023 in theaters. Next, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The crowd thrilled to footage from the MCU sequel starring Angela Bassett as Ramonda. It opens November 11th, 2022 in theaters. Captain America New World Order, Shira Haas and Tim Blake Nelson have joined the cast of the sequel starring Anthony Mackie. It arrives in theaters May 3rd, 2024. Fantastic Four, Kevin Feige confirmed that Max Shakeman will be directing the reboot pick that hits theaters November 8th, 2024, and let's all cross our fingers and toes that they finally get it right. Thunderbolt, several castings were announced for the Jake Schreier directed film will close out phase five of the MCU on July 26, 2024. They include David Harbour, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Wyatt Russell, Florence Pugh, Sebastian Stan, Hannah John Kamen, and Olga Kurielenko. And an update first, it was announced that Armor Wars was going to be a TV show, but on the 29th of September, Marvel announced a shakeup as Armor Wars is now going to be its own movie. Sources say the studio was committed in getting the story told right and in that process realized that a feature was better suited for the project. 
Like all Marvel movies, it is intended for theatrical release. Wow, a bunch of stuff let out there and some television stuff as well. But as far as the Armor Wars thing, I'm glad for Don Cheadle that he's getting the opportunity to star in his own movie. He's been in the movies before in not just the 2008 movie because, you know, that was a different character or a different actor. But, you know, I think he's proven his chops and can take a Marvel Armor Wars project forward on the big screen. Do we want to talk about the television announcements? Yeah, let's uh, talk about the movies first, like Thunderbolts. That's an awesome looking thing there, right? Where we're actually getting characters announced that we're, are being part of the project. Yeah, Shira Haas, who is joining as the character in the comics is a mutant. So we'll see what happens there. But she is fantastic on... Um, and of course, I'm blanking on it. I think it's called Unorthodox on Netflix. And I know she's also in um, another show about uh, Orthodox Judaism uh, called, uh, I- I'm going to mispronounce it, like Stitzel. And the one thing that I'm like, okay, how are they going to do this? William Hurt died earlier this year. He played Thunderbolt Ross. There's some scuttlebutt about recasting. Who knows? They might write him out. They might recast him. Eh, We'll see. I've also seen some theories that Liv Tyler will be back and Betty Ross would be the Thunderbolt Ross included here. Eh, I don't know if that would work or not, but it's a possibility, I guess. I want my Zemo. You can name him after it as a tribute. True. Zemo would be an obvious choice to be in here, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. He usually is in at least the later iterations of the Thunderbolts, at least the villains turn heroes ish. You know, that famous Thunderbolts one where it was revealed that the, the Avengers were actually the masters of evil operating as superheroes ish. Zemo needs to be involved somehow, if for no other reason than we just need more of Daniel Brühl. Mm hmm. Do you think with the inclusion of Julia Louise Dreyfus that it would be too much to add another leadership role to the team? Maybe more of an advisor. Okay. Yeah, fair. All right. So that's the film part of the D23 announcements. Michelle, you have some television parts of the announcements too, right? Of course. Starting with Ironheart. Shakira Barrera joins the cast of the Disney Plus series starring Dominique Thorne as Rory Williams. The premiere date is still to be announced. Secret Invasion full trailer for the Disney Plus series starring Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury that premieres in 2023. Loki, Kihu Kwan, who has finally joined acting again. Yay! Joins the season two cast of the Disney Plus series starring Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, and Sofia DiMartino. Production is underway, but the premiere date is still to be announced. Echo cast members Akio Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, Devery Jacobs, Graham Greene, Cody Lightning, and Chaske Spencer hosted a special look at the upcoming series that also stars Tantu Cardinal and Zon McClarnan. Premiere date is also to be announced. Daredevil, Born Again, Kevin Feige, and co-star Vincent D'Onofrio discussed the upcoming Disney Plus series. They were eager to chat about the new Disney Plus series starring Charlie Cox. Production will begin in 2023. Werewolf by Night, the Halloween-themed program starring Gail Garcia Bernal and Laura Donnelly, Marvel Studios' first TV special was revealed along with a trailer in an October 7th premiere date on Disney+. Plus. I'm so happy about that one. I can't wait. I really like Gael Garcia Bernal, and uh, we're going to have Elsa Bloodstone, it looks like, who is awesome. I know I've, every time something comes up with this, I keep saying, everybody read Next Wave Agents of Hate. Everybody read Next Wave Agents of Hate. Elsa Bloodstone is so fun. We did an episode on Elsa on my show, and it was a blast. Out of all these, I would say my highest expectations are with Secret Invasion, which is a double-edged sword, because if it's not as good as 
I am hoping it is going to be, I'm going to be disappointed, but I think that's going to set the pace for a lot of what's going to happen as we go forward with the phases. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. The rest of them, I've already said I'm really head over heels of Ironheart. Looking forward to seeing that come to the any screen, really, but the small screen, the MCU. Loki, Ki Hon Kwan, is that how you say his name? Ki Hui Kwan? Yeah. Short round. He is, for those that don't know, he was short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So as Michelle stated before, it is great to see him back acting again. He's also supposed to be in Indiana Jones 5. Which has been announced. I don't know if it's filming yet or not, but I think all involved want to get that bad taste out of their mouth of four. I think that's There's the only reason they're doing four. Five. Wait, I, I, when the, wouldn't it be Indiana <laughs> Jones four? It was in the same universe where they made the uh, Avatar The Last Airbender live action movie. It doesn't exist. Come on, guys. You guys like bad movies and you're not, you're going to say that this doesn't exist. Uh, okay. There's bad movies that are good because they're bad. You get with your friends, you get inebriated or whatever, and they become good. There are just things that are just so bad and bland that need to be erased from cinematic history. Yeah, I actually don't mind it, truthfully. Yeah, but then again, I watch a lot of bad movies, so my threshold is, I understand, different from a lot of people. I like how Marion was brought back in it. That's probably about the only big thing that I like I in the like movie. I did like that. That was like the big draw for me. Anyway, Secret Invasion. Am I putting too much hopes into it? No, it's one of the biggest storylines in Marvel. And Marvel's putting a lot of hopes into it, so we should too. Yeah, it's going to be very ambitious, so I just want them to take the time and get everything right. Like in terms of writing and just everything. Yeah, we've been covering the filming dates and it ended filming a few months ago. So they're in post-production right now on it. Please take the time to do the post-production right. Please, once again, please treat the special effects and CGI people better than they have been treating them in the past. Yeah, this one is really going to be CGI dependent. And if it doesn't work. It's going to be, it's going to ruin a lot of parts of the story. Yeah, not to mention my gal. We'll see how she fares in it as well. Anthony, I noticed Moon Knight 2 wasn't announced and wasn't talked about. Are you okay with that at the moment? Yeah, there's a lot of chatter that it's already started, that they haven't announced it or that they're going to. I'm honestly just waiting to see if and when anything is formally announced, I'm not going to go by a lot of the, the fan talk. I'm hearing stories. Somebody suggested that they're going to reboot it and that the first season was just going to be a movie made by Mark Spector, the Hollywood guy, because that was one of the, or Stephen Grant, the Hollywood guy, because that was one of the storylines in one of the Moon Knight comics that Stephen Grant opted to turn the Moon Knight story into this pulpy action film. I don't take much stock in that. I think ultimately it's still going to come down to its continuation of the story, but I'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, Lauren, we have some sad news for Blade. We do. So it was announced a couple days ago that unfortunately the director of the planned director of Blade, Basim Tariq, has exited his role as director because there have apparently been a lot of production delays. It was supposed to start filming in November of this year, but there's just, I don't know what the production problems are, but I, there's I was reading an article the other day about how Mahershala Ali is not happy about it, understandably. But yeah, apparently due to all the schedule stuff, he has run into a conflict and had to had to pull out. So he's going to be still executive producer, but we don't know how it's going to affect the production timeline. 
We don't know who's going to be coming in to replace him. Uh, it's it's kind of disappointing, but I mean, we'll see what the finished product is. I'm I'm holding out hope. I really like Blade, and doing a rewatch of that series could be fun soon. I hear there is an opening over for the next Star Trek movie. Matt Shankman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually heard that they're shelving the next Star Trek project. That it is not moving forward. When it was announced and none of the cast said that they had been approached or on contract for it, I think that was telling that it was never going to happen. As much as people might or might not want it to happen. Anyway, this is a loss for Blade. I'm hoping it turns out for the better, but we've seen this before in the MCU where directors leave like right before filming. The final projects don't turn out bad. They don't turn out great either. So we'll see. Chris, I think the most exciting news that we have is yours. Oh, is this one exciting? I hadn't even noticed. So there was a trailer that Ryan Reynolds came, maybe not even really a trailer, but Ryan Reynolds is sitting around on his couch, talking about how Deadpool 3, kind of running into some problems. He has no ideas what's going to happen. Miss D23 stuff. Starts mentioning this MCU new character that people are going to be excited about. And it's like, you know, you know, we, we got to make sure it's good. Never mentions who it is. And just kind of looks over his shoulder. Hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine again? Yeah, it's true. We're going to have Wolverine. We're going to have mutants. If nothing else, this is going to be how we get mutants in the MCU. I'm excited. Maybe they can pull in bad mouth sewn shut Deadpool and destroy him. <laughs> the whole, they were like, okay, well, how are we going to handle the continuity and everything? And then music's playing. I Will Always Love You is playing as they're miming. It's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. Thank you. It's wake me up. It's playing over the top as they are pantomiming Wolverine stabbing Deadpool in the head with his claws and lots and lots of excited stuff. I listened to that with studio monitoring headphones on and they are actually talking during the entire thing. If you can back out the wham song from that, you can probably get everything that they're talking about. You can kind of hear it at the beginning that they're talking about when they're fighting and everything. But then when they get to actually talking about the more serious stuff, the music crescendos up so you can't hear them anymore. But as an audio engineer, if you could go in and you can take out that, I'll bet you the audio is still there behind there. I bet you they put that in as a, as a, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, Easter egg? Yeah, Easter egg. I'll bet you they did that. They might not have been talking about anything, but I think they were talking about something. I think they were just recapping the Wolverine movie. It was, it was exciting to see the two of them on the couch. Also, at the beginning of the first video, so there's two videos that have been out. I saw them both on Twitter. The first video, as Ryan was walking up across his apartment and voicing over and everything, all the stuff that he normally hawks, you know, his companies, like the liquor and the, the financial stuff, it, it's all there, right? So anything that Ryan Reynolds does, he makes sure that he promotes everything that he's doing and it's there. And then I was watching, I didn't see Hugh's face as he was walking in the background until he was walking up the stairs and you don't really even know it's him until he says, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So that's what set the internet on fire a few days ago. I also loved what Ryan Reynolds put on the tweet where they dropped the trailer. It was so hard keeping my mouth sewn shut about this. <laughs> yeah it was well done well done i have to imagine ryan's got a big hand in this but he's also got some great promotional people too so i don't know how much is them and how much is him i'm excited about this just because i know it's going to be a lot of fun no matter what happens right they did state by the way for those worrying about the continuity of logan they said well logan happens in 2029 and this is going to happen before that and here, how is it going to go? And then the music starts and everything. So they did lay the groundwork that this would be before the Hugh Jackman Wolverine dies, technically, in the timeline. But we're in the multiverse now, so I don't really think it matters. I also like how he was pouring aviation gin into a coffee mug. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's part of his his liquor company that he was promoting. Yeah. Yep. And just the sheer amount of it. Perfect. Dude likes to drink a lot of gin, I guess. I like it so much about the company. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not only the owner, I'm a consumer. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but gin is so hit and miss for me. I love it in aviations, but other than that, it's just like, meh. Got whiskey and lemonade. That's all I need this weekend. Whiskey's great. Gin, gin is one of the few things that I can actually drink. Let's see. Gin, scotch, rum, <laughs> brandy, wine. There's one other. Is it, it's not tequila. I don't know. Okay. So normally tequila, I'm, I'm like the worst Mexican. Tequila just like knocks me on my butt. But if you get really good sipping tequila, like, you know, there's the, the silver mm-hmm. ones that they sell just for mixing. No, you want the gold or the Anejo. And it can be so good. There's a coffee one that my parents had that's just amazing. It's the only one that I buy is the, the sipping kind because I'm, I'm too old to be dealing with the cheap stuff anymore yeah and i know some people can't drink but i can barely drink and when i do i want to be able to have a good taste and everything scotch is just expensive on its own i think i'm tending to more brandy these days just because it's cheaper but you know whatever scotch and mead are my two big things all right hugh jackman ryan reynolds wolverine Blade, bunch of D23. It's been an exciting three weeks. Thank you, listener, for staying with us the three weeks to be able to wait to cover all this. We are excited about it all. And we look forward to what Marvel Studios has to share with us in the next week. Meantime, Chris, what do you got on tap for us? Well, ever since Anthony said it earlier, I too have been hurting for a yurt. So let's go sweat it out in the yurt. Anthony, there wasn't exactly any legalities to talk about. I mean, we really didn't get into the parole thing, the legalities of the parole. But thank you anyway for showing up and talking about one of your favorite Marvel lawyers. Yeah, Jen is always a a joy to discuss. Love talking about her pretty much any time. So appreciate SP and the the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. folks for having me back. It's uh, always fun to join on a guest on a fellow Gunna Geek show, and uh, you can find us on the socials. My show, Capes on the Couch, on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Capes on the Couch, uh, where we are now officially back with season eight, and uh, we just did an episode on another awesome, strong female character who's going to be appearing in the MCU very shortly, Sue Storm. Yeah, and we're going to have to talk about the royalties of using cast members for other podcasts on the network i mean you can't just borrow lauren from me without you know some kickbacks yes back that's to the right producer. yes lauren as as uh, did an amazing job as sue storm very very grateful for her lending her uh, extraordinary talents to that episode i had an absolute blast and when i say anytime i really mean it that was so much fun yeah i had a blast listening to the episode on my walk with cooper yesterday I want to thank SP, Michelle, Chris, Anthony, especially Michelle and SP for all the hard work you do, just keeping the show running week after week. Obviously, we would not be here without y'all. So thank, thank all of you so, so much. Oh, thank you for that kind words. I would like to thank our listeners for keep listening. We appreciate all of you, and you can find me on Twitter at shell underscore game. The listeners are great, but I want to thank Lauren for understanding that Michelle and SP put in so much more work than me, and they deserve that especially, because they really do. And if you want to hear me other places, you can check out playcomics.com, where the next episode, I haven't decided yet, is either going to be talking to Michael Morrissey about Barbaric Axe to Grind, or looking at a Catwoman game for Game Boy Color that I completely forgot existed for a while. I did enjoy your last couple of episodes, and I caught up on them this past week as well, Chris. So keep up the great work. Thank you. Also, I have an announcement to make. I don't know if this is going to be the first time that you hear this, but last night, Steven and I were talking for quite some time 
and we decided on a return. So November 6th, 2022 will be the return of Better Podcasting, the Better Podcasting main show, not Better Podcast Chats with SP that I'm doing in the hiatus time period, but the Better Podcasting main show with Stephen and myself will be out on November 6th with a recording time Tuesday, November 1st. So that is the return of Better Podcasting. Stay tuned for more information on that. Also, it probably already come out by the time you hear this. Maybe not. Gonna Geek is going to be returning for an episode this coming Monday. Chris, Stephen, and myself will be getting together to record that. Listen to that episode. You'll learn more about what the future is for Gonna Geek. But both of those will be having an episode come out. Uh, Better Podcast is returning. Gonna Geek has an episode coming out. Stay tuned for more information on Gonna Geek. In the meantime, if you want to stay current on everything related to Gonna Geek, whether it's play comics, capes on the couch, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Gonna Geek show, or Better Podcasting, come into our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm Special Counsel Anthony. Bye. We need to get off to the yurt now. Bye. 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 My shirt's already off. Stay. I'm a stay. A bomb. A bomb. A stay. A bomb. A stay. I'm a stay. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Oh, since it's the 1st of October, I get to start my horror movie a day thing. Oh. I'm so happy. I love October. Do you go by a list or do you pick them or what? No, I just kind of go as I feel. So there's like three I'm waffling between right now. Which three are they? The Munsters, the new one that just came out. I'm of two minds about Hocus Pocus 2 because Hocus Pocus is like my favorite Halloween movie ever. But Bed Midler has said some really transphobic and I'm like, and then, um, Rewatching the ritual. I've been wanting to do that since uh, Patty Considine is on House of the Dragon, and I haven't watched it in a while. So it's like, do I want to watch a new thing? Do I want to rewatch? Do I want to watch silly horror? Do I want to watch horror horror? I vote for Nightmare Before Christmas. That is not a Halloween movie. That is a Christmas movie. That, that is an all year movie. Is acceptable. It is an all year movie. But yeah, I will I will die on that hill. It's more appropriate to show Nightmare Before Christmas anytime between like November 1st and Christmas, but it is not a Halloween movie. It has a Halloween song, isn't it? It does, but that takes place like at midnight on Halloween. So mid Halloween is ending. I just really like it. No, I love that movie too. It's so good. But I will die on that hill. The Peanuts Halloween special is one of my least favorite Peanuts special. The Garfield Halloween special, I love, but it also freaked me the hell out as a kid. The Ghost Pirates. Oh my god, you have a ghost cup. That's what I was just fascinating myself with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Other thing that has me happy. Kehui Kwan joins the cast of Loki for season two. Short round from Indiana Jones, everything everywhere all at once. I'm very happy. Short round. He's not gotten a lot of love over the years. No. And y'all have seen everything everywhere all at once, right? Oh God, it was amazing. Yeah. Okay, Chris, you need to see it. It's I know.
I'm not going to say it's seen perfect, it, SP? but it's so close. What's that? Have you seen it, SP? No, I have not. Oh. <sighs> Multiverses and Michelle Yeoh. I've always known Michelle Yeoh can kick ass. Yeah, but here it's like oh. she's doing the kick ass and she's playing a completely different type of character than you usually see her as. And it's delightful. The costumes are great. The pacing is fantastic. Uh, it's yeah. funny. It made me cry. It's like, and then oh. he who Quan goes from, uh, I know Michelle, yo, but he really steals it. Cause he goes from goofy, blah, blah, blah to this, like Tony long, ultra cool, like, you know, Kai, when he's with her at the awards show, he's all like super cool. And it's like, you know, I was watching something and they were talking about it and I can't remember what, but how long about how just how the, 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 the projects he could have been part of what we've been denied for the past, you know, three decades yeah. because there were no roles for him. And it was just. Yeah. Anyway. He was like behind the camera as like a stunt coordinator and stuff like a I, choreographer. I know he did some like second unit directing and stuff, but yeah, he worked on the one if I remember right. With the Jet Lee, Jason Statham. I've seen some trailers to this and now that I'm looking at it, so I I'm aware of it, but I totally forgot. Must have come out earlier this year. Yeah, it came uh, out in like what, April, May? Hmm. That seems about right. But yeah, the I was at Walmart yesterday and I I should have picked it up, but I was like, okay, no, I just spent a lot of money for the stupid painkiller patch. But the Blu-ray is at Walmart for like, I don't know, 15 bucks. You can pick it up There's for like a slightly more stuff version for like 19 bucks. It looks like you can pick it up uh, for like 19.99 on most streaming services. Yeah, it's my God, it's worth it. It's there's very few movies that I would recommend just getting sight unseen, but that is absolutely one of them. Do you know what I've been really wanting to rewatch lately? Beastmaster. I've never seen that. Ooh, okay. Well, it's not a good movie, but it does have Rip Horn as a bad guy. Hmm. It has ferrets. They were the, the first time I ever saw ferrets. And then in Kindergarten Cop, but these two ferrets, they're great. There's a tiger that they had to continue to keep like dying black over the course of the movie. But, you know, it's a tiger. And so the um, the paint would you can see it coming off in parts. Yeah, it, it's not a good movie, but it takes me back to childhood. You sold me at Rip Torn. Riptorn trying to his best to be Thulsa Doom. Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2022.